0: And welcome to episode two hundred twenty three of the Blockade Runner Podcast. I'm Ryan, weirdly hosting this one because it is about uh, video juegos. We are going to be talking <laughs> video games today, and joining me, as always, is John.
1: What's up, Ryan?
0: Hey, and special guest uh, because we we had to bring him in for a video game episode we're going to be talking all kinds of kOTOR and he literally wrote the book on kOTOR please welcome <laughs> alex kane
2: thanks so much for having me back three years later almost to the dot uh, since the fallen order reveal at celebration and <laughs> it's been a long time since we've had a celebration so
0: <laughs> yeah that's so wild you know we we've you know, we had you on three years ago, we t- we talked KOTOR, we talked Jedi, Fallen Order. Now, three years later, we're talking KOTOR Remake, KOTOR 2, uh, Remaster, and uh, Jedi Survivor. So, um, a yeah. lot, of, lot, of, lot of Star Wars video game projects in the oven right now. So that's kind of the point of this episode, is just to kind of go through those from like the Stuff that's you know literally released this week uh, to stuff that we have not even seen a logo for, um, but yeah, we've, mm-hmm. we've seen a press release. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna be talking through each of those things. So let's start with the more re- the most recent, and that was an announcement at Celebration, which I didn't, you know. Th- the thing about being at Celebration, it's wonderful. Um, so much stuff is announcing. You can never be in every place you want to be at once, and mm-hmm. as a result, uh, also terrible phone phone service uh, consistently. <laughs> uh, and so, as a result, there were things that were like getting announced, like rooms away from me that like I didn't find out about until like six hours later and one of those things was um Knights of the Old Republic 2 the Sith Lords coming to Nintendo Switch and Alex you you definitely have some history um with this game so what are what are your thoughts about the game in general what are your thoughts about it coming to Switch
2: it's kind of funny because um KOTOR 1 was one of those games that I got really hyped up about and uh, it exceeded the hype and it, you know, changed my life and all that, you know, to the extent that, um, what, 16 years later, I published a book about its creation. And then when KOTOR 2 came along in 2004, it uh, was sort of competing with Halo 2 for my attention. And so I did beat it. I did love it. Um, it did... Build upon like the systems in a lot of meaningful ways, and it's really cool um it kind of i i didn't return to it over the years the way I did Kotor. you know I played through the original Kotor like more times than I can count, whereas the sequel is kind of like that game that I finished in two thousand and five and had a really great time with it <laughs> and then I didn't really play it again seriously until I was working on the book, <laughs> which is so weird and then um I sort of like told myself I was going to beat it a second time as a reward for finishing the book. That did not happen because it, it still <laughs> felt like work at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last night I installed it on my Switch Lite and fired it up and made a character. And it's like really hitting the spot. It's like, mm. oh, it's kind of like a new KOTOR game. You know, it feels really fresh and it doesn't feel like work because we're, you know, three three years out from that book. So... Um, it's very familiar to anyone who's played the first game, but not the second one. Um, a lot of people like Sam Witwer, (laughs) you know, a lot of people will tell you that the second one is the superior game. Um, I haven't quite got there yet, but it is, it is like bigger and, and it has some really rich writing. It's sort of taking more risks. It's kind of like the last Jedi versus the force awakens, you know, it is sort of the more ambitious, edgy divisive uh, type of sequel but uh yeah i'm really enjoying it on the the switch the first like hour or so is really awesome so
0: nice nice yeah um Ob- obsidian is the developer of um kotor 2 is a developer i feel like is not always put in the most enviable uh situations <laughs> um yeah. because they basically have like Um, you know, they've made, uh, multiple sequels to Bioware games and like, and we're talking like Bioware in what many people would argue was, was their prime, um, you know, in the era, like Obsidian made the sequel to Neverwinter Nights and they made Kotor 2 and even, um, you know, they've made sequels to like Bethesda games. They made, you know, Fallout 76. Or no, not Fault 76. New Vegas. New Vegas. Yeah. New Vegas. Uh-huh. Uh, they did not definitely did not make Fault 76. Um, and they always like are in the situation where it's like, okay, they're the new developer. Everyone's skeptical. Like, did they do as good of a job? Like, you know, are you know their is their game as revolutionary as the one that came before it? Um, but you always find people who just like swear by the obsidian games like the sequels um and i've seen that for all those games and honestly like i'm more of like a fallout new vegas person than uh than a fallout 3 person uh personally and like it's because they have such strong writing and like you were kind of saying they do sometimes seek out to kind of subvert subvert some of the things that were established in the previous game and for some people like that's exactly what they want and other people are like whoa this is blasphemy what are you doing you hacks
2: yeah i would say i'm definitely in that camp of preferring new vegas to fallout 3 um Mm -hmm. where yeah they they get this technology handed to them and they say you know (laughs) you have 12 months to make a sequel that lives up to the first game and Mm -hmm. you know more than once they've like risen to the occasion and you know built all these really memorable quests and i think new vegas in particular it just has like so much more like flavor to the world building you know it's a very fun goofy colorful game whereas fallout 3 you know didn't hook me like fallout 4 and and new vegas did but Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah but um so then here's you know, thinking, well, all that in mind, like, my confession is I've n- never played more than an hour of KOTOR 2, um, and I uh, that's definitely something I need to do. Um, I I mean, there's no real reason why. It's just, like, these kind of games are such an investment and such a time commitment, and, like, you kind of just have to, when you start one of these... You kind of just have to be in for the long haul because to get the most out of the experience and like, you know, es- these like heavily, you know, player choice driven games, you need to make choices through the whole story to the conclusion. Like they're not really mm-hmm. good games to play half of and be like, oh, yeah, I got what that was all about. And I'm I'm good now. Yeah, like, kind of have to do the whole thing um, to get to really get something out of it um so yeah i'm i'm thinking maybe maybe going with the switch version um you know i have my original xbox copy of the game complete sitting over here um i'm probably gonna mess around with it just even if i am getting the switch version just to kind of compare the two um but how are you feeling about the switch version so far
2: I think it's a really good port. I, I thought the first KOTOR on switch was like a lot of fun. Cause it feels more like it's basically a port of the PC version. You know, it doesn't mm. feel the Xbox version is kind of like my version with the first KOTOR. It's sort of the only one I've ever played, but it, it does have like fewer facial um, like faces for the characters, you know, um, mm. you know, it has like, like the textures are rougher generally. Although I guess if you're playing on a series X, you get like some upgrades and stuff, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's a really nice port and, um, yeah, it looks, especially KOTOR two to me feels fresh and the faces look sort of, um, smooth and, and lifelike in a way that probably the backward compatibility version doesn't, maybe the PC version's pretty one-to-one, but, uh, it's sort of like if KOTOR 1 is like a, a solid Star Wars movie, uh, KOTOR 2 kind of feels like a a good Star Wars novel, you know, is kind of the mm. the analogy that I would make. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I, I can tell I'm going to be playing it like a bunch this weekend. So
0: Nice, nice. Um, it is like the absolute worst timing for it, like releasing this week. Um, <laughs> I had just recently started a playthrough, a replay of uh <laughs> related to all of this, uh Baldur's Gate on my Switch. Oh, nice. And I had been playing that like kind of like before bed, um, because it has like this it's like like reading a fantasy novel. Like a mm-hmm. um basically and uh there's all this like quality of life stuff that makes it like so much easier to play than it was on PC in 1998. Um, but mm-hmm. then I'm like, wait, should I even start KOTOR when I'm like, ha- I'm like o- over halfway through Baldur's Gate? Like, I feel like I should just finish that first. Um, cause they are such an investment. Um, John, you, have you are still Knights of the Old Republic free. <laughs> you still haven't, <laughs> haven't played these games. I've been telling you to play for, uh, 15 years now. Uh, any it's true i I mean i've read an entire
1: book i've read an entire book about uh knights (laughs) of the old republic um and i've never played the game um yeah i don't know um possibly possibly i mean obviously i would go to the first one um and i would play on switch i think um so never say never um although i do Mm -hmm. have like a a a list of games i want to try to get through this summer and um Mm. so we'll see but uh yeah i mean ever since you know i read alex's book i've been uh i've been interested in 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 giving it a shot but it's just it just feels like one of those things that's um kind of overwhelming for me like i don't play games of that nature too much and uh yeah i don't know i guess i just need to like uh work up the courage and, and dive in i suppose um yeah but uh yeah i would like to i would like to And actually, as you guys have been talking about it, I've been thinking like, huh, I wonder if my 12 year old would, uh, would be into it or not, you know, maybe I could, um, we were just talking today about, you know, um, maybe reading, um, like, at the same time, reading a book or two this summer, like picking a book and reading them, reading it together, sort of, you know, um, simultaneously. And uh, that could be something cause I need to find ways to keep him interested in star Wars. Cause he's kind of like losing his interest in star <laughs> Wars a little bit. Um, mm. and so, yeah, I don't know. He just played final fantasy seven, the original one, and he loved it. And it's like his second favorite game, he says now. So, wow. um, yeah. And I didn't put him onto it. So maybe I need him to like figure out that he wants to play KOTOR without me telling him, but, um, yeah, like, uh, so he's had some success recently with playing old games and classic games and that kind of thing. So,
2: um,
1: that would, uh, maybe push me over the edge too, if, if he got into it, but yeah, anyway, um, potentially
2: maybe what's nice is like, Oh, I was just going to say like, if if you get those little like gold coin points on your switch from like purchasing stuff digitally, I was able to like get code or two for like 12 bucks last night, you know, just like, yeah. you know, like the, the other $3 in taxes, you know, got taken off. So, uh, it's a cheap game is what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, it is the time that you have to invest for sure. Especially the second one.
1: Well, and what? every year that goes by too, I feel like it's more likely that some of these characters and scenarios are going to be like brought into some other kind of mm-hmm. Star Wars storytelling. So I do feel yeah. like I should do my due diligence and, 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 and kind of get this experience now before, you know, it becomes something I should know even more than I should already know it. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah there's uh I've seen that rumor around the acolyte um, yeah, for sure but you know the like Kotor rumors are one of the most pervasive Star Wars rumors. Um, yeah and I think it's you know people just have such strong connections with these stories and these characters like I mean the amount of kotor cosplay at Celebration is yeah. ridiculous. Like there's more, I see more KOTOR cosplay than like some of the films, but like, yeah. it's, it's wild. Um, But yeah, there's a deep, deep love and appreciation. And like, you know, you have, you have Kathy Kennedy talking about like, oh yeah, we discuss Knights of the Old Republic on the rag. And yeah, um, it's, it's just a matter of time. So Yeah,
2: that was three years ago. She said, we talk about that all the time and it's been yeah. three years. So, uh, it does make you think that somebody's going to be in the acolyte in some way, but yeah, who knows? We
0: could see the uh, fruits of that
2: soon. Yeah. I've heard some sort of like juicy, you know, third hand things. And I'm just like, man, I hope you're not feeding me nonsense. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, you-, you hope that some of it's true, but yeah, it's, uh it does seem to swirl around that whole, um, acolyte high Republic feedback loop of like, you know, moving further away from the Skywalker saga, which is another thing that Kathy Kennedy is always sort of hinting at. So it seems like Revan would be the no brainer. That would be, you know, where you go. So, cause Revan is like this sort of, uh, <laughs> avatar for for like the fan right like you know mm-hmm. the character that they get to make and be and Revan can be anyone so you know yeah and I
0: mean we saw like those scenes in um uh John Favreau's Mando season two opener that were like straight out of um KOTOR with like the crate Dragon and the Tuskins and all that stuff yeah. like you so like you know when when Favreau's doing it, who's kind of like the, like the the populist, uh, like uh, Star Wars yeah. director right now? Like if he's in on that, like yeah, it, it you know it's coming. So
2: yeah, teaming up with the Tuscans to take down a crate dragon that's like holed up in a cave, like that doesn't feel like an accident to me at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, but yeah, that was exciting to see it was cool and you know we've had you know Malachor and Rebels and a million other things so Mm -hmm. yeah definitely these games just won't won't die that's for sure
0: Um, I guess that brings us to the the remake, um, which we don't know too much about, except that it is a, as of right now, a PC PS5 exclusive. Um, we know that Sony brought in some members of their uh, first party teams, like people who worked on Ghost of Tsushima um, and such to assist um aspire a a spear yeah i think it's aspire yeah aspire okay that makes more sense um and then we've also had um recently announced the news that saber interactive is going to be um working on the kOTOR remake um Alongside Aspire, um, in collaboration with Aspire, and they are part of all part of this uh, giant uh, what's become like a megalith of game developers in the Embracer group. Um, so they're, yeah, it's just it's just a very interesting um, group of developers um, kind of coming together, and I would love to I would love to get the juicy deets on how all all this came together and specifically how Mm -hmm. it came to be like a PS five console exclusive. Um,
2: yeah, that was a big surprise.
0: Yeah. Especially considering just the history of like Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it was, I would say like one of the five defining games of the system. Um, and Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just a wild situation. Um, I mean, it's, it's cool. Uh, I mean, I'm glad we're getting a KOTOR remake and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to um, see, see more of it when there's more to share. But um, Alex, you had some, uh, you had some thoughts on Saber Interactive joining.
2: Well, yeah. So I guess I wasn't super surprised to hear that name come up because they've kind of got a, a history as like a heavy hitter. Uh, Support Studio, which kind of might have a negative connotation, which is not intended. But um, basically, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting development work on the Master Chief Collection. And uh, specifically, the thing that you can point to is that they did the Halo 2 anniversary uh, campaign remaster. Which, you know, if that's indicative of the quality we can expect (laughs) from their work on KOTOR, that's a really good thing. because that is like the mother of all sort of um, where, you know, they take a game and just put like a fresh coat of paint on it and fresh audio, like the halo Two anniversary campaign is just gorgeous, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't lose the spirit of the original, like at all. And you look at a lot of these sort of remasters that come out and they're either like, you know, you can barely tell that they've been, changed you know it's just sort of like up or but that's mm-hmm. something where they, they took a 10 year old game and just made it feel like so new again but yet familiar uh really hard to get that balance right and they did so
0: yeah and being able to switch between the two um visual modes was yeah was wild as well in in both the original halo um anniversary combat evolved and halo 2 like that was i would just constantly be flipping back and forth and being like Yeah. yeah yeah so cool um
2: yeah i think they did like most of the work on the combat evolved anniversary as well but uh yeah it's just like the second one is just like my favorite game ever probably if i had to choose mm-hmm. you know or top 3 certainly and uh you know obviously with the remake we're talking about a very different sort of project where you know them and aspire are kind of building it from the ground up and they'll be changing things you know to to modernize it you know i think that they're uh, sounds like they're allergic to the turn-based combat because that's sort of old school now. You know, even Final Fantasy VII remake did away with that. So, but uh, I'm not too broken-hearted. I'm over it. <laughs> I've made peace with the fact that it's going to be different. But I think it's going to be gorgeous and and have a lot of people working on it who really care about the original game. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. That's the. That, you know, as much as like I love turn-based combat it you know it broke my heart when I found out the Final Fantasy 7 remake was was going action based despite like I love that game Um, eventually like I yeah to it. Um, yeah but I mean I would say even more so than Final Fantasy 7 the the turn based combat in Knights of the Old Republic both games is extremely prohibitive to um, to a lot of people who play video games um, being so like firmly entrenched in like what third edition Dungeons and Dragons rules, essentially Mm. Um, like just that, that era of um, D and D, which is just pretty, um, pretty just inaccessible and obtuse. And there's, I mean, uh, I was just reading our friend, uh, neil's review of um kotor 2 the switch version and he's like you're you know if you're not familiar with these types of games you're going to just be baffled why like your character is just missing constantly and (laughs) like why you know simple enemies are killing you quickly um and stuff like that i think um yeah it's just it's it's that kind of stuff is just a deal breaker um for Mm -hmm. people like if you hadn't like i had been on the like bioware trajectory you know i had played the baldur's gate games and Icewind Dale games and so like when kotor came around i was like oh yeah i know this like and i had played tabletop DD. um and i was like this is fine this is cool um but now we're like so far removed from that era, era and like you know bioware games are just totally different um you know n- now, and uh, yeah, I think I think it was just a unnecessary change that had to happen, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's nothing to be um, too upset about because we also like they did the good thing and you know released remakes or remasters of the original game. So if you want to play yeah. them in that way, you can on modern hardware. I still hope these remasters end up like it makes sense to put them on ps5 because yeah ps5 is where the remake's going but i guess you can play Mm -hmm. the um you know the original discs on the like xbox series of systems yeah it would also be nice to get them over there as well
2: yeah they're on like ipad and mobile and pc of course but still yeah it's uh it would be cool to have them on like playstation for sure
1: I suppose you could make the argument too that um, you know if you're going to go and do a remake, uh, you know it maybe it's um, it, it's worth it to, or I guess it um, it justifies it to really like kind of change things up and actually like present it in a new way, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. versus just like well we're going to make it really pretty, right? Like um, yeah, it sounds sounds like it'll be um, it'll be more than that. Um, I I don't know much about these games either, but I've been kind of just like on the periphery seeing people talking about the last of us remake mm-hmm. that's remake, what just right?
0: came like to my, second, my mind second <laughs> time it's been remade and
1: it, yeah and it's mostly about making it look I, I, again i've never played it but it seems like it's mostly about let's, look how incredible it looks on the ps5 right but it's yeah. just the same game for a third time and it's just prettier every time you know i mean hey that's cool too but I don't know. It's it seems to me like if you're if you're going to actually remake something versus re-release it uprest or whatever like maybe you know, take some swings and do some different things and, mm-hmm. and maybe make it a different experience
2: in some ways. Yeah. I think Final Fantasy 7 like 100% proves your point like yeah. You know, not having played through much of the original but playing it, like just enough to know, you know, how different it is. That yeah, that's like sort of the gold standard of you know how you can keep the spirit but completely change the the feel and the look
0: mm-hmm.
1: hopefully kotor is released all at once though rather than over the course of like
0: <laughs> a lifetime of years right? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah yeah i mean yeah. i think the best kinds of remakes for games are the ones that you know, make it look nicer, of course, like, you know, make make use of that visual fidelity, um, you know, and the increased power of the hardware. But also, I, I think, Alex, I agree with what you're saying, like, keep the spirit like it doesn't yeah. need to be a one to one, because honestly, as a player, I think everyone thinks they want one to one that like looks better. That's what everyone thinks they want, but really mm-hmm. when you do get that, which happens constantly, that's most video game remakes. Um and it's like what's happening with The Last of Us. When you actually get that, like you're you're initially like, "Wow, this this area looks so cool. This looks amazing." And then you're like, "Wait, this is the exact same game that I'm already played. I feel like a sucker. I just spent $70 on this again." <laughs> but yeah what's great is when remakes are like familiar enough and keep the the spirit the emotional core of it but then also subvert players expectations like something you know i love that in um you know the first resident evil remake which you know like you would you're like oh yeah i know this okay it's nicer looking i know this scene and then you're like wait that thing that was supposed to happen here didn't happen that's weird and then like Mm -hmm. okay i'll just keep playing wait that thing that was supposed to happen back there happened here and it's like totally different and like that's that's wild um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think like generally speaking like the resident evil remakes have been fantastic and um that they have like a really cool
2: approach to it i think I could see where they would have so much fun to like deciding what do we break. And like, you know, uh, with like HK 47, basically one of the big fan favorite characters that everyone is obsessed with, you know? Um, it's like you go into like a boring little droid shop, you buy him, you know, then he starts talking to you. But like, I could see a scenario where you're like at your base talking to one of your companions and having a conversation. And he like, Blasts through the door and tries to kill you, and you have to like suddenly fight him, you know, and mm, then like, yeah, and then you like, you beat him, and so he's like, I surrender, you know, like that. Uh, you know, you could get so crazy with it and just do things that like actually surprise people who have, you know, played through it 20 times, you know, so yeah, um, yeah, and and, and just, um, you know, do things to to nod toward the the canon, you know, the sort of high Republic comics world, you know, all the different stuff Mm, that the, mm -hmm. the Disney era has added, you know, um, I, I think that they should hopefully have some freedom to, to play around in that regard too.
0: Totally. Totally. And there's like, there's also a few areas that I hope they can kind of, uh, maybe, maybe tighten a bit to, uh, make them, uh, maybe a little uh, less annoying. Um, I guess like <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I started a replay of KOTOR when I got my Xbox series X, I just put in my original Xbox disc and I was like, Whoa, this looks amazing. Like this is yeah. so cool. And I was playing and I got up to, um, what is it? Manon where yeah. Manon, whatever, um, where you're, where you have to go do like the underwater stuff. And, i kind of hate that part and so i've just had like a save game like sitting there since you know 2020 or whatever um yeah and yeah and i think like okay you could probably streamline this bit a little better make you know m- move uh a little faster <laughs>
2: There's some parts where you're in like an environment suit, like underwater and space and KOTOR 2, and you're moving like so slowly, like definitely modern audiences are not going to enjoy that kind of thing. You know, they want a little better pacing probably in some of the places. Is your next move, Jedi?
0: Let's move on to Jedi, the Jedi series. Um, John, I, I feel like this one's a little more in your wheelhouse. You're the uh, the big uh, Jedi Fallen, the bigger Jedi Fallen Order fan on the podcast. Um, so why don't you uh, why don't you take this one?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew going into Celebration that there was a strong likelihood we'd learn more about um the game we now know is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Um, it, the game had been announced, uh, I, I believe, right, that there was a sequel in the works, but that was really all we knew about it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the uh, the trailer was revealed um, at Celebration. Uh, Ryan, like you said, I am a fan of, uh, of Star Wars, uh, of Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I enjoyed the game quite a bit. So I guess more than you, that being said, I've only played it once, you know, I'm not like a super expert or anything. And uh, in fact, when we watched the trailer at celebration, I I was kind of like, wait, why, who is that in the thing at the end? And what's going like, um, so I, I thought it was, um, I thought the trailer was fun. Uh, I'm super excited for the game. Definitely looking forward to it. Uh, But also I would, I would not, um, I'm not such an expert on the lore of the game, uh, really, because uh, I didn't exactly know like what was going on in the uh, in the trailer um, I guess maybe we're not supposed to know exactly what's happening there mm-hmm. uh, as far as the the trailers mm-hmm. go I, I think it's it's meant to be mysterious um, but uh but yeah I mean I, i'm I'm super excited for it i I, I think uh, you know having heard some commentary from the developers coming out of celebration um, you know there was some acknowledgement of of uh, places where the game you know, could be improved and, uh, that that's been taken to heart by the developers. So, uh, you know, if it's a refined and improved version of, you know, Jedi fallen order, then I'm super excited. Um, yeah, yeah. Again, I, I enjoy enjoyed the game and I, I think, uh, an improved version would be super good.
2: Definitely. It looks like they're adding a new character to the crew, right? That's kind of the, the big takeaway from the teaser is that character in the back to tank.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And I was like, I, I, I didn't know if I was supposed to know who that character was or if that's, um, like you said, like a, a new character that would make sense actually, because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know who that was. Uh, I am, I, I do think it's cool that, uh, that Cal is coming back though, because going into celebration, yeah. we were even kind of thinking like, maybe it's a totally different people and, mm-hmm. um, you could be following a different protagonist or whatever. So, um, Ryan, you made a face when I said that, but yeah, I'm happy to see California Kestis <laughs> coming back to, <laughs> to start this game again.
2: I wouldn't yeah, mind I mean, if you played as the new character too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: There were, there were rumors, there were rumblings of multiple playable characters. That would be cool. Um, Cal's fine. Like he's, he's a fine Star Wars character, you know, Um but I don't, I don't know. I don't. I still just don't find him like terribly interesting. Um, in like his his story, um, like I don't know. Like he 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 feels like a character that like Obi Wan would have just let die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, in an episode. Um, but I what I. I, I felt like I mean, I mean, I think they were kind of like intentionally leaving Cal as like more of a blank slate with just like, here is his mission and purpose. And like and then like for, you know, the player to project more. Um, and. Uh, I I think they did like a better job um with the antagonist than they actually did with Cal um fleshing out um her her story and like you know i i kind of like cared and remembered more about her story um so yeah i think you know i don't i don't know how having multiple characters would change that i don't know if it's just like maybe <laughs> maybe there's just something I didn't like about Cal or just something didn't resonate, but um, I, I will see what happens, but like, I'm not, I'm not like opposed to, um, I'm not going to like not play the game or anything.
2: I like Cal, but I'm with you in that my ideal version of a sequel would be if you wake up in a a med bay as Trilla and you're still alive and you've decided to you know, sort of find your way back to the light. Like that would be, I do agree. that Mm. Trilla was the heart and soul of the game. 100%. Ooh, that'd be so fun to play as her for an entire game.
1: (laughs) That would be cool. Um, Yeah. I see. I think I'm just like, I don't care who you make me. As long as like we continue to, uh, develop this like kind of Metroid prime inspired, you know, gameplay approach. Like that's, that's what I, um, am mm. most excited about is just, you know, being a lightsaber, you wielding character and, you know, kind of traversing these different areas and unlocking things. And, uh, you know, like, I think that's one of the reasons I did enjoy the game as much as I did is because like the Metroid, you know, influence kind of worked for me. I think mm-hmm. maybe if I'm remembering correctly, um, you know, a lot of people, maybe even my co-host, felt like that stuff was not really fully baked or not done that well. Um, and, and so, you know, I think it worked for me. It had enough of that flavor. Cause I don't play a lot of like, um, just like sort of straight up action, third person, you know, action games or whatever. Um, but yeah, having that kind of Metroid influence and, um, you know, unlocking different areas of the map as you progress and things like that, like that really worked for me. And so that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And, you know, especially if that's improved, if if that's that that stuff is kind of honed in a little more, like that would be yeah. That that's what it's about for me. So I could be Cal or I could be, you know, a new character or whatever. But I just yeah, that that's what I'm looking forward to, I think.
2: I like the way the Arkham games sort of iterated on the formula with each one, or at least the three mainline ones. Like they sort of took the same combat, but put it in like an open world. And then in the third one, they kind of put in, you know, the the armor and the Batmobile. So I don't know, it'd be kind of fun if they, they played with it a little bit. But I agree that the, the foundation is pretty, pretty solid.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, John, you, uh, you know, you, you kind of captured what I um, thought about this is I just, I would like them to lean more into the, the Metroid part of it. And I've always just, I, I've never quite fully come to grips with like the, the Souls aspect of it. Um, I, I never Quite understood the the purpose um, of like having those souls like aspects in the game, especially when they were like basically completely avoidable if you just like drop the difficulty down like one notch. Um, and I I would actually like to see them leaning more into the the Metroid part and like more into the exploration and finding secrets and stuff because i feel like a lot of there wasn't uh a huge incentive to kind of seek out secrets because they were generally like here's a different hilt for a lightsaber here's a different dirt poncho like it just wasn't terribly excited or like here's like a completely out of context audio log where you're not really going to understand anything that's happening here um because you like missed another one you know four hours ago um so yeah and i i think if i don't know if they if they want to make the game more challenging and like really embrace the the souls like aspects and like go with more of like an something more akin to like Elden Ring or something like make it. So like you find stuff and you're like, Oh, thank God I found this. Like, this is going to help me a ton. Like, I'm glad I like went through the, you know, it's like, like in Metroid, like when you're, you know, those, those prime games, Um, i I found especially prime one and two to be like fairly difficult games. Um, And I mean, I remember when I would find like an energy tank or even like a missile tank, I'd be like, Oh, that that feels good like i'm feeling feeling better about this about my chances here because you know there's some uh, some brutal boss fights in those um so yeah i don't know i it'll be interesting to see like what because jedi fallen order was a game with like a lot of different things happening um, and it's not really like it's not really like a third person character action game because it's, it's not like Devil May Cry or something. Um, but it's also it, it wasn't fully a Metroidvania. It wasn't fully a Souls game. Uh, you know, it wasn't fully like a c- cinematic game like Last of Us or Uncharted either. Uh, it was like this weird just like hybrid of like a lot of different things. And I, I do wonder what parts they're going to lean more into or how they'll kind of balance all that out with the next one
2: it's a game that felt a lot like rise of the tomb raider to me in terms of the traversal Mm. and the game world and stuff but i agree that it didn't do as good of a job of like rewarding you with like story that you would care about when you did find like collectible documents and stuff or secrets Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. outfits or whatever. Um, So I would almost like to see fewer planets and like make the planets that you do explore uh, like have a lot more sort of, yeah, reward to the exploration basically. And just kind of, you know, kind of the difference between, like Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One versus like the Empire Strikes Back where you're, you're spending more time with like one place, but, but like there's a lot to sort of dig up and yeah, make those like holograms and things more uh, like you feel like you get more out of the story if you kind of play more, you know, that would be really cool because to me uh, it's a game I desperately want to replay, but I have yet to finish it a second time because like, mm-hmm. <laughs> going back through the world and retracing your steps in reverse is kind of a busy work to me. I don't, well, like it just, I don't know. Um, it's like, oh man, I have to like figure out where I came from and like, keep doing that for like 15 hours, you know? But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't mind like the meditation points and some of that stuff. I thought that it worked okay for the way they kind of, uh, did the force powers, you know? how he's sort of rediscovering himself as a Jedi, but yeah, hopefully they do something fresh and don't just do that again.
1: Yeah, that does. uh It does kind of beg the question, like um, how is Samus going to lose all of her power ups and stuff at the beginning? Of this <laughs> Cause he's a Jedi, yeah. So, you know, he should, he
2: should uh,
1: be fully equipped at the start, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They could do the mass effect two thing where you just like get your ass kicked, you know? Um, yeah. Have, have some uh, dark Jedi or whoever that is in the back to tank show up. And <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they solve that problem. And hopefully they don't just reset everything. Cause that would, it would seem silly from like a, you know, narrative design standpoint.
0: Yeah. Cause th- there's a bit of that in, um, kotor 2 as well isn't it like you got like bonked on your head and then like you have to like rediscover your jedi powers because you're like already like an established jedi when you start kotor 2 right
2: in kotor 2 you're you're called the exile and it's sort of like luke in last jedi where you have consciously you know intentionally cut yourself off from the force i think and Uh, Mm. But with the dialogue options, it sort of lets you tell people, like, how much you feel that you're a Jedi. Like, you can sort of say, like, how did you know I was a Jedi? Or you can say, like, I'm no Jedi. Like, you can kind of set that, uh, you know, the degree to which you're still, you know, a Jedi Knight, like, based on how you want to do it. But, yeah, basically, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you were kicked out of the order. You're sort of like an Ahsoka type thing. Mm,
0: mm. Okay. Well, we are we're down to our last uh 15 minutes here. So um I just wanted to run through some of the other known um Star Wars game projects that we're you know excited, looking forward to um in the future and just uh get everyone's thoughts on these. Um and I'm going to just start with the one that I'm most excited for, uh, which is uh, Amy Hennig and Skydance, uh, their new uh, Star Wars game. Um, I'm a massive fan of Amy Hennig's work. I love the the Legacy of Kane games. Um, and her early work on the Uncharted series was just, you know, in- industry changing um, for sure. And whatever you know we had that false start with that game um at EA which was really a bummer and whatever whatever she's and her team are uh cooking up I am extremely here for um and Alex you added some uh additional information and context to this
2: well, I noticed that the lead producer on the KOTOR remake at Aspire, um, his, his bio now says that he's at Skydance Interactive. Uh, so that's kind of like a funny coincidence that he jumped from the KOTOR remake over to presumably Amy Hennig's project. So, um, you know, I don't think he's discussed it publicly, like what, what he's working on. But you have to assume, <laughs> it, you know, if you're going to leave the KOTOR remake to go to a different studio where they're also making a star Wars game, you know, that's probably what he was going for. I'd imagine. Um, but yeah. And and also there, there have been rumors, you know, reports, um, you always got to take that with a grain of salt when it's some of these blogs, but, um, you know, this idea that project ragtag is sort of, you know, they're going to kind of revive that to some extent, you know, at the new, the new project. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess that's kind of like common sense, but, um, you know, I, have also seen people say the opposite, like, Oh, well she couldn't do that even if she wanted to. And, you know, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, the spirit of that game is probably what they're going for sort of like a, you know, a group of, you know, scoundrel types working to, you know, almost like a Han Solo Lando Calrissian version of like Rogue One, you know, where they just band together Mm -hmm. to do something.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Ryan and I speculated on that a little bit when, uh, when we first learned that this game was happening again. And uh, we certainly didn't um, come to any concrete conclusions or anything like that, but it was like one of those things where we thought, well, okay, so EA, was you know licensed or whatever to do the star wars game with amy hennig but you know they canceled it so who kind of owns that like creative you know licensed property creative you know element of it and i think we kind of th- thought or i lean towards maybe like lucasfilm would really kind of own potentially that writing and character stuff, you know, and to, to to a point where, or to the degree where maybe she could kind of pick up that work and start it again. You know, I don't know. You I'm sure you both probably know more about how that would all shake out than I do, but um depending on what the legal agreements were and everything else, you know, it seems very plausible that she could still kind of use a lot of that work that uh, I would, I assume
2: yeah. Yeah. I would assume the IP development stuff, the the characters and the concept art, I would assume Lucasfilm owns that. And the real key difference is that that was probably, you know, well, it was, it was prototyped. We saw the prototype footage of like some character in a trench coat walking around Tatooine with like Imperial banners flying and that obviously would be EA technology, probably the frostbite engine or unreal engine, whichever it was. I can't remember. I think it was like unreal four, but um, you know, that stuff is probably like EA's sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It seems messy. And, and I guess I would expect to see a game that looks very different in the end, but, but has that same sort of ragtag spirit and probably some of the same characters.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the the era shifts of oh. what, the, what the game was planned for initially. Um, mm-hmm. This feels like a game that would—I mean, the original kind of felt like a game that—I uh, mean, it predated the Mandalorian, but it yeah. would kind of fit with the vibe of the Mandoverse potentially.
2: Yeah. So move back like eight years into the future, basically, is what you're kind of predicting. I think I 100% agree. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, we've had so much content in like the Civil War era, and this Mm -hmm. would let them kind of flesh out that New Republic stuff that we've really only seen in books mostly.
1: Mm Hmm. Totally. Totally. And of course we did learn this weekend that star Wars hunters is taking place in that same time frame. Um, so, mm, okay. Yeah. I say that a little bit with a smirk cause I don't think the story in that game, speaking of trench coats, you know, that game features, uh, Jawas, <laughs> uh, <on each> other's <laughs> shoulders with a trench coat around them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm not yeah. sure the story elements of that game is going to be taken too seriously or anything, but, um, and now yeah, as an aside, and that's probably all we need to say about um, Star Wars hunters today. Cause Ryan and I did not play it at um, Star Wars celebration because they only had the mobile version. Um, and I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, it is taking place during the
2: Mando. I think they're doing some kind of beta on like one platform right now. So hopefully people are checking it out and they just probably aren't supposed to talk about it yet, but it uh, it looks very playful and colorful and I'm excited to try it for sure. I mean
0: it's it's free, so I'll yeah. definitely download it on my switch and not yeah, exactly. out anything if I if it doesn't click with me. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, it's a tough market to get into, though. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. I would uh, you know? Advise everyone to be careful about if you're spending money because you don't know how long it will last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Some of us remember Battleborn, right? Like, <laughs> you know, if uh, competition can be a killer for sure.
0: Um. Okay. Uh. One other one I did want to mention. Um. Snowdrop, which is the Star Wars project. Um. From Ubisoft. Um. You know, John and I have kind of talked about this, uh, a little bit, but Alex, I wanted to hear your take on this. Like, how are you, uh, are you a, a fan of the, the Ubisoft? Uh, I, I don't want to say formula, but formula, um, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, types of open fair. Games.
2: it's fair to call it a formula. I think at this point, I, uh, I, I very much enjoyed what I played of the division two. Um, I'm not really a far cry person overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought far cry five was kind of fun to fool around in the sandbox, but you kind of, you know, sort of junk food that gets old fast, I guess for me, but Mm. um, they're also using the Snowdrop engine to build the avatar game that they've been working on for like ages and they um, are using it to build the splinter cell remake, which is one of my most anticipated games outside of like KOTOR remake and stuff. So I think it's, given the differences between like the division and something like splinter cell and something like, I assume the avatar game will probably be, it'll probably yeah. be, you know, pretty tech intensive, like a uh, sort of like a ratchet and clank type thing. Maybe um, it's hard to kind of pin down what that says about what the game will be other than it's an open world, you know? So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I would hope actually- that you're, Oh, sorry.
0: Oh, no! I was just gonna. This is because this is another topic that you have expertise on. I haven't actually played the division games, um, but those were more like like a Destiny type experience rather than like it, like an Assassin's Creed or something, correct? Yeah,
2: fair to compare it to Destiny. Fair to compare it to Anthem. Um, yeah, I think it's sort of like the very boots on the ground. Um, you know, human being without any superpowers version of Destiny and Anthem. You know, you're just like a guy with a gun out in Washington, (laughs) D.C. or whatever, um, or New York City in the first one. Um, The second one, you know, the gunplay was fun. It had like a cover system, sort of like Gears of War-ish, you know, approximately. Um, So I've seen a lot of the speculation or maybe just like friends that I was playing Battlefront with, you know, we sort of talk about like, Oh, what if you like get to create your own bounty hunter and you're like in the Mando verse, you know, as part of the bounty hunters guild, that's something I could see, you know, I'd buy that. I don't know if that's what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. I would rather be like a high Republic Jedi, like stranded on a planet during the, you know, light of the Jedi novel or something and living through that, that would be probably my wish list thing. But yeah, if you get to like, you know, choose your like alien race and, you know, or be a droid and be a bounty hunter with like, you know, Carl Weathers is in the game giving you missions. That would be pretty yeah, kick ass, too. Can you imagine? That would be so fun. Yeah. Day I, I one. Would,
0: I would buy a special edition. I would buy a battle pass or. <laughs> <laughs> <in> yeah. <summer. laughs>
2: there's potential okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um but
0: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh how that turns out cuz it's not the Ubisoft one of the Ubisoft studios that are known for their open world games.
2: So, mm, right.
0: Yeah. But they also have that's like kind of the foundation of that company right now are their big open world games. So, mm-hmm. interesting. Um okay, we're down to our final few minutes. Uh lightning round other uh Star Wars games your interested in looking forward to anyone
2: (laughs) well there is that restored content mod coming out for kotor 2 in q 3 so that'll be a free sort of um it's free second half of the year i think but uh the drawback there is that you probably have to start a fresh playthrough but you get to like experience closer to the full vision of the game since you know, Obsidian had to build a game in like 12 months flat to get it out for Christmas. So KOTOR mm-hmm. 2 is kind of famously unfinished as most games are, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but like it's it sort of, uh, the ending is kind of why I remember it as a disappointment, I think. Cause they, you know, they had this grand vision for like the third act or whatever the final act was and it just wasn't really there in the final game. So basically fans modded it back in and and lucasfilm has embraced that as part of the official re-releases on like steam and gog so that's pretty cool that and now cool. on switch yeah yeah
0: something i look forward to
1: uh this is a lame answer but i want um i would love to see that uh rogue squadron collection come out um the one that was yeah we and Mm -hmm. um i don't think it seems super likely that that'll happen but um that would be really cool i think even though it's a
2: game for the most part (laughs) yeah somebody asked about that on twitter and aspire was like if there's interest we'll do it you know and uh so there's sort of a grassroots effort to get that to happen actually but Mm -hmm. and aspire was vocally in support of it but
1: yeah. And you know, Julian from, um, factor five too, right. Formerly a factor yeah. five, I think. Oh, one of That's the original he was saying, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. He was like, let's do it. But you know, I think there's still a long way to go from a couple, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like I basically I guess, I don't know, Lucasfilm and, uh, well, yeah. Cause it would have been Lucasarts that published it, the, the Rogue Squadron games. Right. And they're the ones who canceled it. So, um, they, they'd probably be the big, I guess Lucasfilm games would be, you know that need to be yeah i guess behind it <laughs> excited to do yep. it
2: yep
0: yeah I, I mean hopefully aspire isn't all hands on deck with um kotor remake cuz there's still a whole lot of you know vintage star wars games that really um it would be nice for them to be touched up a bit and put on put on modern platforms like i mean i just played through republic commando for the first time uh on ps4 uh recently <laughs> And uh, it's the first time I ever played through that game and finished it. So um, that was, uh, you know, that was cool to, you know, have that, have that available. Um, yeah. Get some, get some trophies, play some, you know, play it at a, with fast, really fast load times. Um, that was cool. Um, more of that, more of that, please. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I, I would say the um, future of Star star wars video games is uh we we got some we got some stuff this year i mean we got we got kotor 2 on switch that's cool meaty game we're getting you know by the end of the year we'll have probably the best version of that game outside of like a heavily modded pc version um yeah you know available accessible great price um Limited runs, doing a physical version coming out, which will I would assume release probably around the time as, or probably after uh, the the content patch. So um, you know that's that's cool. Uh, and then you know Jedi Survivor next year, um, and then everything is it's kind of uh, kind of nebulous. From there, <laughs> what's yeah. coming next and when. Um, but there's, you know, there's some cool, cool projects on the horizon um, for sure. And uh, it'll be kind of exciting to see how all those shake out.
2: But And it it was a long, painful road to get that uh, Lego Star Wars game to come out. But man, I, I thought that was phenomenal. I was blown away by how fun that was and how polished mm. surprised me.
1: Yeah, I've played about uh, 60 or 70% of that um, at this point. And uh, yeah, for sure. I think the best Lego Star Wars game, like it's, uh, yeah, it's really fun.
0: Well, uh, yeah, let's uh, go ahead and wrap up here. Um, John, you do. No, let's do Alex. You tell us what you've been doing, because also you have been on a fantastic podcast discussing uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I listened to the first episode of that and it was insightful and challenged me in ways I did not expect to be challenged. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Thank you. Yeah, I've been co-hosting um, What the forces? Uh, what do we call it? Calling on Kenobi, uh, sort of deep dive recap um, podcast. And that's with Marie Claire Gould, uh, who I met It's Celebration 2019 and she's, you know, sort of uh, one of the smartest Star Wars fans I've ever talked to. She has a pretty unique viewpoint that she comes, you know, it's sort of like she's got that like mythic Joseph Campbell side to her. That sort of traditional way of looking at Star Wars from a mythical lens, but like also, you know, she's very widely read and, you know, reads sort of like um, like feminist literary criticism and reads like other people, similar to Campbell or the people who Campbell inspired and, um, yeah, I don't know. She, she's really fun to, to listen to and talk to and try to keep up with intellectually. Uh, You know, she sort of gives me a a workout in terms of, uh, it's like being back in college a little bit, except the -hmm. the class is star Wars. So (laughs) it's like, uh, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun and people respond pretty positively to it. So I, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we got to talk about Obi-Wan.
0: Yeah, it is. Like I said, I'm just like consistently like challenged and like, my God, I would have never had that like takeaway. Like, but I think, you know, you both kind of like talk through everything in a way that I'm like, okay, yeah, that tracks. Like that is a that is a fascinating um, perspective. And, you know, one of the great things about Star Wars is, how open to interpretation it can be um, and how, you know, different people can get totally different things from it and like really deep, meaningful things if you try and like, and, you know, depending on like your background knowledge and, you know, where you where you're coming from. And yeah, I'm just like, it's so it's so good to be listening to a Star Wars podcast where, you know, I am like, kind of, you know, having to like, really deeply think and process, um, some of, some of the themes, um, it is far, far beyond just a recap show for sure.
2: Yeah. It's sort of like, she takes the assumption that like sort of art comes from the unconscious mind of the creator, which, you know, has all this like sort of, uh, Carl Young baggage where like, You know, there's archetypes and the archetypes show up in myth. And of course, that's what George Lucas was doing. But, you know, other people have had other things to say about it, too. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun to play around with and try to decide, you know, what are the creators consciously trying to do? What is sort of happening on accident and what what do we sort of make of it? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun.
0: Nice. Um, any other, uh, I mean, I guess plug your KOTOR book,
2: <laughs> <which is> still <laughs> yeah.
0: available, still in print. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Boss dot I believe. And you know, all the other online book retailers and, uh, sometimes you can find it at like video game conventions and stuff like that. But yeah, it's simply titled star Wars, Night Sealed Republic from boss fight books. And it's essentially the making of, you know, I talked to sort of, uh, a dozen people who worked on the the game and then some other people who, you know, like a Bastila cosplayer. And I talked to Sam Whitwer on the phone and <laughs> got his thoughts. And I talked to, you know, Walt Williams who worked on like Battlefront two. And he told me about how Knights of the Republic inspired spec ops, the line, which is another game with like a big twist ending and stuff like that. Amazing.
0: So. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing game. Uh, yeah. 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 That- that's awesome. Uh, anything, anything else you you want to uh, plug or let people
2: know where they can find you? Um, there's a book coming out, or it either just came out or it's about to come out. There's a coffee table, um, like a visual history um, called Supercade, and it's like volume two of Supercade. So it's like the original one was sort of like the '80s arcade era. There's a new one coming out that is sort of like the '90s, more or less through like the first Xbox PS2 era and, uh, that editor, she DM would me on Twitter and said, Hey, do you want to write something for this? And, um, I ended up writing the chapter on the Nintendo 64 and the chapter on super Mario 64 kind of completely out of nowhere on accident. And I was really thrilled (laughs) about that. Uh, so, so I'm in this book with like all these people whose careers I really admire. And I'm like, wow, I don't know how this happened, but, uh, cool. So, um hopefully that comes out soon and hopefully my chapters are all right we'll see
0: <laughs> yeah i will be 100 percent grabbing that uh i i own a copy of the first book um oh yeah nice one from god years ago that's almost that book's got yeah. like 15 20 years old because i bought that when i was like in college uh um, yeah and, uh, yeah, just a fantastic, gorgeous book with, um, you know, great, uh, great job contextualizing the era, era. Um, that's cool. That's very cool that you're, uh, you're working on that or work or did it. It's done. Yeah. It was a was while that, uh... ago,
2: but, uh, yeah, yeah she, she's just waiting on the, the printing process, I guess, but
0: yeah, cool. Anything else?
2: That's pretty much it. I think, uh, <laughs> I would, you know. I'm always working on stuff, but nothing nothing that's, you know, coming through the pipeline anytime soon. So
0: cool. Cool. Well, where can people find you to uh, learn what's coming through the pipeline?
2: Yeah, mostly I'm on Twitter at Alex J. Kane with a K.
0: Cool, cool. Um, And then John, uh, blockade runner outro. Where can people find do the thing? Yeah, do it
1: all right cool well thank you uh once again alex for joining us this has been really fun um we will be back soon with another episode of the blockade runner podcast until then if you want to reach out to the show you can email us blockaderunnerpodcast runner podcast at gmail.com or uh, follow the show on twitter at blockade run ryan you are on twitter at
0: uh, Via Malay, V A Y A M A L A Y, and I'm going to actually, because it's appropriate in this episode, plug my other account uh, where I take uh, footage of uh, video games played on CRT televisions. It is uh, standard definition gaming, and I will probably be doing a Kotor 2. Uh, uh, clip and little write up uh, coming coming soon and that you can follow at uh, D-E-F S-T-A-N 480
1: Alright cool uh, so thanks once again for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast
0: We are all the Republic